music to audiences around the world. More information and tickets, visit jazzisdead.com or kpfk.org. Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you so very much for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, there is little about the myriad conflicts happening in the Middle East that do not, in some direct or indirect way, have to do with what is generally referred to as the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. A solution has been elusive. Does the answer lie in the history of the region? What is Palestine? How and why was the state of Israel established? What role did Napoleon, the UK, and more recently the UN play in its establishment? What was and is the impact on Palestinian people? What has been the role of the United States? What are the Oslo Accords? What is Al-Nakba? Is there a generational split among Jewish Americans on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headline. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Scott Baba. The Senate early this morning passed a $95.3 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, pushing ahead after months of difficult negotiations and amid growing political divisions in the Republican Party over the role of the United States abroad. The vote came after a small group of Republicans opposed to the $60 billion for Ukraine held the Senate floor through the night using the final hours of debate to argue that the U.S. should focus on its own problems before sending more money overseas. Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama said Republicans were holding firm in their opposition. In December, all of 49 Republicans voted to defeat similar legislation because it did nothing for our southern border. Senate Republicans were unanimous. We had a consensus in the Republican conference that we should not give more money to other countries until we secured our southern border. I still believe that. My position has not changed since December. Independent Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona criticized her GOP colleagues for letting former President Donald Trump kill the bipartisan border deal she helped negotiate earlier. Less than 24 hours after we released the bill, my Republican colleagues changed their minds. It turns out border security is not actually a risk to our national security. It's just a talking point for the election. 
Ultimately, 22 Republicans voted with nearly all Democrats to pass the package, 70 to 29. Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer worked closely with Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on the legislation and argued that abandoning Ukraine could embolden Russian President Vladimir Putin and threaten national security across the globe. It's time to finish the job and get this critical bill passed. If we want the world to remain a safe place for freedom, for democratic principles, for American prosperity, then elected leaders need to put in the work to make that happen. We need to approve the investments that ensure our people's security, ensure the security of our partners, and prevent our adversaries from gaining an edge over us. The bill's passage through the Senate was a welcome sign for Ukraine amid critical shortages on the battlefield. Still, the package faces a deeply uncertain future in the House, where hardline Republicans aligned with Donald Trump continue to oppose the legislation. Speaker Mike Johnson cast new doubt on the package in a statement made last night before the vote, making clear that it could be weeks or months before Congress sends the legislation to President Joe Biden's desk, if ever. Two officials say Israel and Hamas are making progress towards a deal that aims to bring about a ceasefire and to free hostages held in the war-ravaged Gaza Strip. Key meetings continue today between the side and the Egyptian capital of Cairo. The talks are moving forward even after Israel intensified its offensive in the southern Gaza town of Rafah, from where it freed two hostages but killed at least 74 Palestinians, according to local health officials. The Egyptian and Western officials said gaps remain between Israel and Hamas, but progress is being made. They spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the sensitive talks with the media. Meanwhile, the South African government said today it launched a, quote, urgent request with the International Court of Justice to consider whether Israel's military operations targeting the southern Gaza city of Rafah constitutes a breach of the court's provisional orders, which they handed down in the genocide case last month. The request asked the UN court to determine whether Israel's indication that it would launch a ground offensive in Rafah, where 1.4 million Palestinians from elsewhere in war-battered Gaza have fled to escape fighting, represents a, quote, further imminent breach of the rights of Palestinians in Gaza. According to a statement released by the office of South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, the African country is also asking the court in the Netherlands to consider further provisional measures against Israel. South Africa alleges that Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinian people in its war against Gaza's militant Hamas group. The United Nations top court handed down a preliminary ruling last month in the case, issuing six orders, including asking Israel to do all it can to prevent the deaths of Palestinian civilians and the destruction of Gaza. Having failed to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas the first time, House Republicans are determined to try again. But it's not at all certain today's scheduled do-over will produce a better tally. The evening vote is expected to be tight, even with the arrival of Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who has been away from Washington for cancer care. Speaker Mike Johnson's threadbare majority cannot spare defections or absences in the face of staunch Democratic opposition to impeaching Mayorkas. After last week's embarrassing setback, Republicans are trying to make good on their priorities as they criticize the Biden administration's handling of the record numbers of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm Scott Baba for Pacifica Radio. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to be focusing on the early history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. As I said earlier, there is little 
about conflicts happening in the Middle East that don't in some direct or indirect way have to do with what is generally conflict. We are going to be delving into the history of that conflict and indeed uh, going further back to the uh, what is uh, the Palestine and the establishment of the state of Israel. Al-Nakba translates into catastrophe, catastrophe for the Palestinian people. It is a brilliant four-part series on the Nakba about the history of the Palestinian expulsion that led to the establishment of the state of Israel back in 1948. But it gives a sweeping history that goes back to 1799 um, with Napoleon. I had no idea about the Napoleon uh, attempts there, uh, attempted to advance into Palestine. He was interested in checking the British expansion, but also the crucial role that the British played. I mean, this was before World War One, uh, and also leading up, of course, to World War Two. So just a brilliant uh, DVD, a four part series. Also in the series includes information, a detailed uh, report and account of what is known as the Oslo Accords. I really first want to get to a clip uh, from Al-Nakba. A lot of people don't know this history. It's about time that this history is being known. There is a growing generational split in the Jewish community among younger Jewish people and older uh, Jewish people and moving like the Israeli power. Uh, also, the first, um, how the term Zionism was coined, the first Zionist Congress. O Israelites, rise up. This is the moment. France is extending its hand to you with the legacy of Israel. Rush to reclaim your position amongst the peoples of the world. Napoleon's appeal made headlines in the French press. But Napoleon was defeated. The only memory of him left in Acre is a statue that bears his name erected at the top of a hill. Yet Napoleon's idea of creating a Jewish presence in the region did not die. Forty years later, Britain revived the plan in response to Muhammad Ali's attempts to unify Egypt and Syria. In 1840, the British Foreign Secretary, Lord Palmerston, wrote to his ambassador in Istanbul. You have to convince the Sultan and his entourage that it is high time to open Palestine for the immigration of Jews. The number of Jews in Palestine at that time did not exceed 3,000. At the head of the Jewish community's response to the British initiative was Baron Edmund de Rothschild. He visited Palestine on four occasions to explore investment opportunities and spent over 14 million francs to establish 30 Jewish settlements. The most important amongst these was Rishon Lichion, which raised this flag in 1885 while Palestine was still under Ottoman rule. 
Today, the remains of Baron Rothschild lie in a mausoleum near Haifa, where Israeli children come to learn about a wealthy man who supported Israel over a hundred years ago. In 1885, the term Zionism was first coined by the Austrian writer Nathan Birnbaum. The aim of Zionism was settlement in Palestine. The word Zionism is derived from Zion, the name of a hill in Jerusalem. In 1896, the Zionist journalist Theodor Herzl published his book, The Jew's State, written in German. But the Jews of Europe were dreaming of immigrating to America. This is why Dr. Max Nordau, Herzl's right-hand man, sent two eminent rabbis to visit Palestine. They sent back a reply of only one line that read, The bride is beautiful, but she is married to another man. Nordau understood that Palestine was not, as Herzl said, a land without people, but a land with a people that had lived there for thousands of years. The following year, Nordau and Birnbaum participated under Herzl's leadership in the first Zionist Congress in the Swiss city of Basel. The Congress adopted a program for the establishment of a recognized homeland for the Jewish people in Palestine. Britain reiterated its interest in establishing a Jewish state when its Prime Minister Campbell Bannerman announced that it would be important to establish a strong foreign presence close to the point where the Mediterranean was linked with the Red Sea. He added, we should install in this region near the Suez Canal a force hostile to the people of the country and friendly to the European countries. The Jewish National Fund bought over 200,000 Dunhams in the Marj bin Amr plain of northern Palestine. The seller was the Lebanese Sursok family who were living in Europe who had bought their land from Ottoman officials. The deal provided for the eviction of tens of thousands of farmers then living on the land. Than the average classical European colonialism, in the sense that their purpose was actually not so much only to exploit the locals, but uh, to drive them out. From the very early moment that the Zionist movement uh, targeted Palestine, uh, as the, the place for Jewish independence and statehood, and it was clear that there were Palestinians on the land, uh, Zionist leaders and the common people alike were got used to the idea that the only way of uh, making Palestine a Jewish state is by uh, causing the Palestinians to leave. The Jewish militia, known as Hashemair, was established to protect the Jewish settlements. The Jews held demonstrations to demand the recognition of Hebrew as an official language under Ottoman rule. 
The Palestinian pharmacist Najib Nassar published the newspaper Al Kamal in Haifa to draw attention to the ambitions of the Zionists, saying that the Jewish state would be a poisonous dagger in the heart of the Arabs. Al Kamal was a small newspaper that Nassar produced together with his wife Sataj Bahai. However, he was victimized by the Turks and was assaulted, harassed, and imprisoned. In 1915, a secret memorandum was presented to the British cabinet under the title, The Future of Palestine. This was drafted by Herbert Samuel, the first convinced Zionist to be a minister in the British government. According to his memorandum, it is certain that the time is not ripe to establish an autonomous Jewish state in Palestine. Therefore, Palestine should be placed under a British mandate after the war. Under British rule, facilities would be given to Jewish organizations to purchase land and to found colonies. And Jewish immigration would be given preference. We should place three to four million European Jews amongst Mohammedans. Samuel's recommendations were taken into account in the secret British-French agreement, Sykes-Picot, which was named after its two architects, British politician Sir Mark Sykes and the French diplomat Françoise-Georges Picot. It opened the way for the establishment of a Jewish state. Mark Sykes was a close friend of Chaim Wiseman. Before the signing of the Sykes-Picot agreement, the two men exchanged correspondence that clearly indicated Sykes' support for the Zionist movement. Just a year later, in 1917, the British cabinet, headed by British Prime Minister David Lloyd George, pledged to establish a homeland for the Jews in Palestine. Al Nakba premiering here during this hour, the, uh, here on KPFK on Pacifica Radio. It's a four part series on the Nakba, which means catastrophe, and it delves into the history and establishment of the state of Israel. That means I need 19 of you calling. This may be hour to be fire light. Um, really about establishing a state for the Jewish people. And that 40 years after Napoleon's appeal, the British, the Brits came up with a plan. Uh, during that time, during that period, um, there were no more than 3,000 people, uh, in the area. It's just uh, amazing, uh, history. Al Nakba, we're offering it today and it's part of our war Peace and Progress DVD pack. It's an amazing pack. The value of the pack is actually $350, and we're offering it to you today, a special today, at the $250 pledge, and it includes the Al-Nakba series. That also includes the price of Oslo DVDs. It includes um, Dirty Wars, brilliant new film, Oscar buzz about that film, based on Jeremy Scahill's book, and it includes Surviving Progress by the brilliant, brilliant Martin Scorsese, and it has in it Stephen Goodall, Margaret Atwood, uh, Stephen Hawking, the brilliant uh, physicist, exploring the concept of progress in our modern world and guiding us through the major progress traps facing our civilization. 818-985-5735, an amazing um, pack today. Well, you got a pledge, though, at 818-985-5735. We're picking a winner immediately 
immediately um, after the show here. And you also get to enter to win a pair of Lakers tickets, floor seats with VIP parking, um, the value of which is $1,500. So it's amazing. War and Peace Progress DVD pack, $250 uh, dollars today. The value of it is $350. That is a $100 savings to you. But I want you to know as much of this material about Al-Nakba as 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 possible because it, it follows from the uh, 1855 uh, Nathan Birnbaum counting the coining the term Zionism uh, and Theodore Herzl. These are uh, names that are really uh, so crucial. The role of Herman Samuel, the first Zionist cabinet member of the British Parliament and more. Next, we're going to go on to a clip about the intelligence operations um, happening within Palestinian villages, uh, the villagers not knowing what was really going on and how the British turned to the UN and the role the UN played. Let us go to that right now, but that's 818-985-5735. I can't tell you how great this pack is. $250. Uh, it's a $350 value. And of course, our Nakba pledge level is 158. 818-985-5735. Let's go Meanwhile, to that Meanwhile, in Palestine, an unusual intelligence operation was taking place. stage was the collection of material about every village in Palestine. This was called the Village Files uh, Project. Uh, they were quite amazing because they had information of every village uh, in Palestine, uh, mainly uh, about the details of how good actually would be to take it over. So there's a lot of information about the quality of the land, how rich the people were, to the extent that they even knew how many fruit are on each tree, there, there is on each tree, uh, what were the political affiliation of people, how easy or how difficult it would be to occupy it. So, uh, it so was they started gathering in the 30s? Or in, in the late 30s, yeah. in the late 30s and early 1940s, yes. They were actually using, uh, exploiting uh, Arab hospitality, because if you come to a village in Palestine, it doesn't matter who you are, you're invited. And they used that hospitality in order to spy around. And uh, especially what they needed were two things. One is to know how, how to access the village later on in order to occupy it, and, occupy it, and uh, to know what the village had in terms of assets and so on, that when they occupied that people would not you know, run away with what the Zionists wanted for, for themselves. Most Palestinians were not aware at that time that they were about to become victims of ethnic cleansing. After 30 years of the British mandate in Palestine, Britain found a way out of its problems by invoking the United Nations. To thank the Assembly of the United Nations for granting the Jewish Agency for Palestine a hearing. When we speak of a Jewish state, we do not have in mind any racial state or any theocratic state, but one which will be based upon full equality and rights for all inhabitants without distinction of religion or race and without domination or subjugation. The UN General Assembly held a session on November the 29th, 1947, with the sole task of adjudicating on the partition of Palestine. However, the United Nations resolution granted them half of Palestine. 
It deliberately omitted the word Palestine from its text and made the establishment of an Arab state impossible, since Jaffa was cut off from the rest of the state and Gaza was separated from its agricultural areas. This was the draft resolution presented for voting. The resolution of the Dutch Committee for Palestine was adopted by 33 votes, 13 against, 10 abstentions. Arab papers listed the countries that supported the UN partition plan. Arabs demonstrated against the resolution. It was unthinkable in the United Nations or any other place in the world that a national liberation movement would uh, share the land with the settler community by dividing it. What was important for the Zionists in the United Nations partition resolution was that it provided Israel with international legitimacy, but they didn't care for the borders or uh, they didn't stop them from thinking how to dispossess the Palestinians. After the partition resolution, Britain announced that it was to end its mandate in Palestine on May the 15th of the following year, 1948. The Arab League decided to prepare the Palestinians for an armed struggle by training 3,000 volunteers in Syria. Speaking in the town of Ali in Lebanon, the Mufti Amin al-Husseini announced Arab countries will take upon themselves the liberation of Palestine. Palestinians began to organize local committees for self-defense. By the end of 1947, they sent groups to Damascus, Beirut and Cairo to acquire weapons and get military training. The number to call is 818-985-5735. That's a clip from Al-Nakba, which means catastrophe, about the history, really, of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, so much misinformation around whatever your views are on this conflict, whatever side you come down on, this is vital information. Uh, it's a brilliant four-part uh, series, and, uh, and you heard in that uh, last clip the clips we've played uh, thus far about the 19th century Zionist movement. And that movement was really about establishing a homeland uh, for Jewish people in Palestine. What was Palestine? And the word was, was that um, there were no people in Palestine. Well, there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of people, over a million people in Palestine. So this story about a people without land uh, going to a land without people, you know, has shown to be totally bogus. The number to call is 818-985-5735. Pledge at the $150 level, we will send you Al-Nakba and also the price of Oslo. $50 level, if you could put it on a credit card, 818-985-5735. Also, the War, Peace and Progress DVD pack. It's an amazing pack pledge at the $250 level. It includes the Al-Nakba and the Price of Oslo DVDs. It includes the brand new DVD, um, not quite out yet, Dirty Wars, based on Jeremy Scahill's um, book, Tracing the Rise of the Joint Special Operations Command, the most secret fighting force in U.S. history. That's part of the pack pledge level, $250. Surviving Progress. I, I can't praise this film enough. Um, the brilliant producer Martin Scorsese, 
He's absolutely mad, some people say, but he's brilliant. And this book, uh, this DVD, Surviving Progress, is part of the pack. I don't know that I'm going to get permission to offer this pack again because the value of it is $350. And today the pledge level is $250. I need just 10 more of you calling and pledging at that level. You'll get Al Nakba. You'll get Dirty Wars. You'll get the brilliant Martin Scorsese's Surviving Progress, 9855735. And of course, everybody who calls and pledges during this fall fund drive on Sojourner Truth. Now, um, as part of the uh, 19th century Zionist movement, uh, Jewish people began settling in Palestine way in as early as 1820. Uh, trying to establish a homeland there. And then the Balfour Declaration, the British Balfour gave support to that effort. And in going further back in 1916, um, Palestine was annexed by the Ottoman Empire, which would rule the territory until its defeat in World War One. So this series uh, goes really way back and, and tells you all, all of what was going on. The number to call is 818-985-5735. I I want to go on um, to another uh, clip now from Al Nakba. We've got to the top of the hour. Um, this is the last chance, um, last call for the War, Peace and Progress DVD packet, the $250 level of I said I had to get special permission for this. The pack um, uh, pre-offering at $250. You'll get three DVDs. Um, I want to go on now to another uh, clip. We're going to go to um, from the expulsion, massacres, expansion, and more. And uh, we need 10 more of you calling, pledging at the $250 level, 16 of you calling and pledging at the $150 level. This gets to the heart of what has happened. Palestine, the Gaza Strip, but Syria, Iran, Jordan, that entire region. Okay, and the United States is the number one um, supplier of military um, aid to Israel. So all of us are implicated in this. So we need to get the information to find a way to resolve this. Since 1987, $1.3 billion annually in military aid. The number one recipient of military aid is the state of Israel. Meanwhile, what is going on with the Palestinian people? 818-985-5735. Let us go on now to the next clip from Al-Nakba. Though the UN had declared that Jerusalem should be an international zone, there was no reaction when the Israelis occupied 85% of the area of Jerusalem outside the walls of the old city. However, Israel expelled over 30,000 Palestinians from the neighborhoods in what is now known as West Jerusalem. Israel continued its expansion. Air raids, incursions and expulsions escalated. By December 1948, the number of Palestinian refugees soared to over 700,000. The United Nations General Assembly responded by adopting Resolution 194. This states that refugees who want to return to their homes and live in peace with their neighbours should be given the right to do so as soon as possible. Israel is a child of the United Nations and it is determined to remain loyal to its parent body. It's going to base its whole policy upon loyalty to the United Nations. But it is up to the United Nations to be loyal 
to each child. All the United Nations resolutions have been left in abeyance. They haven't been applied. Um, and that, of course, is in good measure due to the United States. The Israeli invasion and the expulsion of the Palestinians continued through 1949. By April 1949, the gravity of the Nakba, the Palestinian catastrophe, became very clear. Almost 500 towns and villages were destroyed. 11 cities and 100 other villages that remained intact were colonized. More than 13,000 Palestinians were killed and more than 30,000 injured. At least 850,000 Palestinians were expelled, representing 85% of the population living in the area that had been declared to constitute the State of Israel. In 1949, the UN strove to conclude separated truce deals between Israel and each of the surrounding Arab countries. These agreements were drafted with the intention of protecting the State of Israel against any future attack. After Count Bernard